Okay, San Francisco, damn, I thank you for tuning in. Didi LaFrac, keep it real, won't you tell it like it is. Bohemian woman up in San Francisco, talking life plenty convo. Super honest, you already know, the dopest, coolest podcast, yo. Yeah, sharing her life, her stories, I hope you ready, sit back, relax. Hey everybody, this is San Francisco Dam and I am Didi. Welcome to the show for Wednesday, December 7th, 2022. Thank you so much for being here, everybody. I hope you're doing well. It's fall here in San Fran. Fentanyl crispy. It seems colder than it is. I know I say that a lot. It seems colder, but it does. It's very sharp. It's not humid anymore. So guys, today's show, I'm talking about Elon Musk's San Francisco problem. Poor dude. The dude definitely has a San Francisco problem. They're investigating because some of his workers were sleeping over. I've been in the Twitter building to pick up Amazon packages and more importantly to party. They've got a beautiful rooftop. It's a big building. Twitter runs almost uh, a quarter of a block, a big block. Mid-Market, San Francisco, between 10th and 9th Street. It's a big building. So because he's not a nice little liberal, City Hall is sicking some business uh, business inspectors on his building because some of those poor people who are, well, not poor, they're making six figures, uh, getting some shut-eye in while they are doing their wonderful jobs. He had about 7,500 people working at Twitter. Now I think it's 500. He really cut the fat. But anyway, San Fran Fentanyl City Hall. I know it is so terrible what they're doing to this guy. They are coming for him. It's just a matter of time until he takes his balls and goes to play someplace else. It's an inevitability. I actually do think that City Hall wants Twitter to leave. Then that is the last major tech company. Um, I'm thinking is Square. Square is down the street west on Market. Square is on Market between 11th and 10th. And Twitter is on Market right at 10th Street, which is two blocks from San Francisco City Hall. So on social media, everybody is coming down hard on San Francisco for coming down hard on Elon Musk and coming to do some building inspection, which is basically harassment. I'd like to see how aware people who have never been here, I'd like to see how aware they are of the reality. Some of those people who probably never left their block, they really know what the city is about. City Hall is getting a lot of scorn for this. This is a bad look, but clearly they don't care. San Francisco City Hall is beyond caring about any regular decorum. It's still trying to live in that progressive, hippy-dippy, Haight-Ashbury, 1960s, Kennedy 60s Democrat. They're trying to live in that bubble, which is pretty obsolete and has been bursting. In the Tenderloin, there's a, a rise. There's like a cycle of people that come up and advocate for the community, advocate or exploit. It's either one of two things. It's a cycle. And typically it's white males or white adjacent males and they come out and they become like a breakthrough star on social media or the news. They'll get interviewed and they're talking about the Tenderloin, blah, blah, blah. Talking heads who do not live here or some have small experience in the Tenderloin and milk it for a long time. I'm not talking about anybody in particular. Now the cycle of Tenderloin. I'm not going to say exploitation. I'll say advocation is this black guy on Twitter. I won't name him because I didn't talk to him about talking about him here. 
and he is motivating these hands-in-pocket beta males. The apathy of San Francisco males have allowed the city to go further into the dystopian sinkhole that it is in. Because you've got everyday guys that's like, hey, that's not my problem. I make $100,000 a year. I make $250,000 a year. I just want to come home, jump, jump over the feces, ignore the syringes, don't take my kid to the park because there's a stark raving junkie and I'm afraid to open my, my mouth and say, dude, get out of here. In short, cowardice. So when you have a, a city where most of the able-bodied men have some kind of cowardice or reticence to use their God-given masculinity, and I'm not religious. Okay, I could say creator-given masculinity. Masculinity and testosterone, you really have to work hard to not employ that. It's natural. It comes out like there's a natural femininity, there's natural masculinity. You've got to work hard to tamper your masculinity. And that's what they've done here, which is why men that are doing grassroots advocation stand out so much. And, and the good thing about it is they motivate other men because men compete with men, I think, harder than women compete with women. Women are ruthless and very evil when they start competing with other women because they do the backstabbing, go around emotionally lynching other women's reputation. But men are very more physical about their competition. So if one guy is out there with a camera advocating for children, then another guy is going to go out there uh, giving homeless people dollar bills and bananas. They compete with each other that way, which the city benefits from that. So it's all, all a positive thing. How are you doing today? What are you eating? What's going on? We've got, right now, it's the 7th of December. We've got, what, 24 days left in the year 2022. Oh, my goodness. And I, I do want to share with you about my books. Some of you have heard about these books for years. And those of you who have actually published something or have written things, you know exactly what I'm going to say here. I feel, now I really feel ready. No, I'm not, I'm not procrastinating. The one story I have about an interracial gay couple, I have two interracial uh, gay couples. I, I like writing through a different perspective. I've been around men so much, socialized my adult life by white men. Uh, so I know the masculine perspective pretty well. This one story that I just finished it, I, it was done. I had to write another chapter. You know, I reread, I reread, I've got things edited. Sometimes you may read a book. And you're following the story and you're like, they did not read this thing over and over again. Like you'll read a book and then there'll be a story about somebody and they'll say, yeah. Uh, and then they turn 30 and June and then it'll be a couple more chapters and it's still the same time frame. And then they will say, oh, yeah. And for the 34th birthday, it's called a line edit. A lot of people don't do line edits on their book because when you think about it, it's overwhelming. It's like. Short stories, 10,000 words, 7,000 words. You're going over each word, looking at the grammar, looking at the uh, context, looking at the tense, et cetera, et cetera. It, 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 it's not easy. A good writer makes it look easy. But the point I'm making on this story, and I have four specific San Francisco stories. This story, I added another chapter. It's a redemption story about a guy who was down low gay. That's something I know a lot about. Some of you guys, you have helped me write this book about down low males who use fugly and dumpy women to pass a straight so they could get that masculine fake straight ding-a-ling. Anyway, 
Elvis. Elvis is my social media eye worm now. For the past two years, it was Beyonce. I have to say Beyonce. She was my quarantine mama. I don't necessarily like to listen to Beyonce's songs. I like to watch her videos. I like to watch her perform. And I have to say, I think that one of the top 10 celebrity performances of all time, uh, black entertainment, up there with Diana Ross coming out of the helicopter at the Super Bowl, up there at Prince doing Playing in the Rain at the Super Bowl halftime, up there at uh, Michael Jackson 25, Motown 25 anniversary, Whitney Houston singing the Star Spangled Banner at a Super Bowl. It's up there, Beyonce Baychella. If you've never seen it, you don't have to like this woman. When you look at the work at Baychella, Beyonce at Coachella, you're going to say, oh my goodness. So I did that, oh my goodness, went down the Beyonce rabbit hole for two years. Not a stan, but a, I appreciate a good, hardworking celebrity with the wonderful team. And this year I went down the Elvis Presley visual rabbit hole. My mother used to play Elvis Presley. And I would look at his albums. Totally beautiful guy. Looked like a looked like a Greek god. The thing about Elvis Presley, he is a combination of that southern gentility. This these are my words. Southern gentility, a, a heterosexual, a sexual vulnerability. Because he sings in a baritone and he speaks in a like a crooner. But he looks great. Now, some people think Elvis is schlocky because they think of his later years when he was whacked out on opioids and unfortunate. You know, you could say he was a junkie. He was a mentally ill drug addict. He had a uh, system where he was taking pills to get up, taking pills to keep energy, taking pills to go to bed. And he had done that for a number of years. And then his body worn out because he had too many, like taking 25 pills a day. But before he got... Uh, worn down and by the way his last concert was in 1977 and he, he sang this song called Unchained Melody. I didn't know much about it and he's they say he was big. He he was not 355 pounds. At the most in 1977 they said it was big. He looked like he was about 270 maybe 250 pounds. He sang this song it was two months before he died. He's he's uh looks pudgy he's sweating and he sang like a damn opera singer. He gave it his all. So Elvis had this, he couldn't dance like James Brown, couldn't dance like Michael Jackson, couldn't dance like Sammy Davis Jr. But what he had was that combination of everything. Good looks, he was tall, nice body, beautifully costumed, knew how to sing, went from a tenor to a, a baritone, southern gentility. That's basically almost like the whole package. And plus, the man could sing and dance in these 60s movies. If you've never seen the Elvis Presley 1960s genre of movies, he he just looked, to say he's beautiful is an understatement. So Elvis has been my 22 eye worm on YouTube. And I'd like to thank him for being him because what happened to him is what happens when you are enabled by people who are just going to watch you destroy yourself. And interestingly enough, not long before he died, he had some concerned friends. They had wrote the book a year before he died. And this book came out about a month before he died. I ended up reading it. I read it. And I'll say it again. I kind of, it, it gives me the idea that he might have done himself in because he wasn't happy and he was getting big. Then this book came out and he felt like nobody was going to remember him. Like artists, if you have friends that are artists, tell them that they're great because artists could be doing something great 
and inside they feel really insecure. So show your favorite artist some love. And speaking of love, thank you for being here on this Wednesday, December 7th, 2022. I come to you Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Please look at the archive. I did a stint of daily shows for over 900 daily episodes. That's some wild and crazy public cable access style stuff. Thank you for being here. I appreciate you. I love you. I am Dee Dee Dam. I trust my vibe. San Francisco Dam. Thank you for listening to San Francisco Dam with Dee Dee LaFrac. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcast, Anchor App, Spotify, and wherever podcasts are found.